We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Talking Buffalo, featuring conversations with guests from around the world of sports, media, pop culture, and all things Buffalo, with your host, Patrick Moran. Boys and girls, it is time. The NFL slash Buffalo Bills offseason, which to me has felt like the longest offseason in the history of the world, is officially over. NFL season kicks off. Hopefully you're listening to this sometime early Thursday. The NFL season officially kicks off the regular season tonight. Kansas City Chiefs hosting the Detroit Lions, of course, for the Buffalo Bills. Week one comes on Monday night on the road against the New Jersey Jets. Man, ready. God, I'm so ready. This offseason has felt never-ending for me. And look, content creating, fine. Podcaster, fine. End of the day, I'm a Buffalo Bills fan. I ain't going to hide that shit either. Well, I mostly do on this podcast. I mean, I'm, I speak of the Buffalo Bills objectively, um, non-biased, sometimes quite frankly, critically when it's warranted. That's how I do this show, but don't get it twisted at all. I'm still a Buffalo Bills fan, first and foremost, above all else, and I can't wait. Anyway, today, and by the way, thank you to everyone out there, whether you're watching Talking Buffalo right now via YouTube, whether you're listening to it on wherever you get your audio podcast from, thank you very much for locking in. I appreciate you all. You know that very much. Always, always, always appreciate you. Today, solo episode. Um, I'm going to spend a couple minutes talking about some actual Bills news, some developments to come out from Wednesday before the Bills started practice in preparation for the Jets. Then I'm going to spend a few minutes going over my personal predictions for the Buffalo Bills season awards. I guess we could call this an annual thing. Oh, yeah, I did it last year. So this is year two. So technically now this is my annual Buffalo Bills 2023 season predictions. I also got season predictions for the NFL, both individual, team-wise. Going to predict all the division winners and then give you my prediction for the Super Bowl. And guess what? If I'm wrong, 
99.5% of you ain't even going to remember this shit come February. But if I'm right, bet your ass I will play clips over and over and over and over again. <laughs> God, I'm excited, man. It's just a different level. You know, I was thinking about this too today. Week one of the NFL season might be, if it's not my favorite week of the whole calendar year, it's probably top two or three. If you're watching or listening right now, what's your favorite week of the year? Any week throughout the entire year. I bet you for a lot of you, NFL week one, the start of the regular season has got to be top three. For me, it's NFL week one. It's Christmas week. I love Christmas week. And depending on how old I'm turning, maybe my birthday week. And I know some people have a birthday month. Some people don't go all on. It's just their days or whatever. But I kind of have like a birthday week. That's right up there. Maybe St. Patrick's Day week. Especially being in Buffalo, mid-March. That's always freaking awesome. There's so much going on. But man, week one is right there for me. I love it. Love it, love it, love it. Anyway, again. Quick episode one, it was quick-ish episode today. I'm just going to drop a bunch of predictions and then we'll check back in six months, see how we did. Uh, if you have predictions, I would love to hear them. You can always tweet at me, whether it's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, whatever. It's all at Patrick Moran TV. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, Talking Buffalo Podcast, and ditto for YouTube as well, Talking Buffalo Podcast. Again, thank you for tuning in. Uh, let's just dive right in. Start with some news. Actually, start with some podcast news, then we'll get some Buffalo Bills news. Don't know, so this is dropping, taping is really late on Wednesday, so this is dropping Thursday morning, on the audio side anyway. Not sure if I'm going to have an episode yet Friday or not. It's all dependent. I hopefully am going to have a guest, but there's a chance that falls through. If it does, I'm probably not going to have a show on Friday because I don't want to go back-to-back solo episodes. One of those a week is enough. But come next week, Talking Buffalo has been five and a half years of doing this show, by the way, starting on Monday. And this has always been, well, we started out once a week, then we went to twice a week. Now, for the most part, it's three times a week. Little inconsistent, though, here and there. Anyway, starting Monday, I plan on this being a Monday through Friday, every day of the week podcast. And it's going to be a good mix. I will have a handful of recurring guests who will be on frequently possibly even every week i'm definitely going to be doing one solo interactive show where fans have a chance to to tweet things ask questions um respond to some polls and i'm going to put up stuff like that so it's going to be a fun solo interactive show i'm doing that once a week and then i'm going to have a guest like a variety guest at least once a week as well some of them will be done remotely uh via Streamyard or zoom or whatever and some of them will continue to be I'm done on Thursday nights live at Imperial Pizza. Those will be Friday drops. In fact, next week, Nate Gary from WGR is going to be with me. I already had that confirmed. And then two weeks from uh, from today, actually, Chris Baker from Sabres Prospects is going to be joining me live from Imperial. So between recurring guests, between a variety of guests, and between doing a little bit of solo stuff here and there, Talking Buffalo come next Monday is going to be an everyday Monday through Friday podcast. A lot of work, but I'm really, really uh, excited about it. And it's time. So anyway, that's on the podcast side. Turns to the Buffalo Bills before we get into predictions. Um, 
quickly here, or at least semi-quickly. Some actual news came out of Wednesday before the Bills even took the field uh, to practice and prep for the New Jersey, and I will continue to call them the New Jersey Jets, by the way, not the New York Jets, uh, for week one. Sean McDermott hold, held a press conference with the media. Of course, that's always available, live stream on, you know, on Twitter and Facebook, so anybody could watch it. And I thought some very interesting, almost like kind of mini news bombs come, came out of uh, Sean McDermott's mouth. Blew me away a little bit. I was certainly not expecting him to name starters this early, but that's what he did. Not one, not two, but he named three starters uh, to begin the season for the Buffalo Bills at positions where there's been, throughout training camp and preseason, competition. Uh, Osiris Torrance was named, uh, Sean McDermott officially named him uh, the starting right guard. Christian Benford is going to get the start at cornerback alongside Trey White. And Terrell Bernard is your week one starting middle linebacker for the Buffalo Bills. Uh, so quick thoughts on that. When it comes to Osiris Torrance, fired away, that's the least surprising thing. Um, it was a good battle between him and Ryan Bates, but I feel like it was set up like the Bills wanted Osiris Torrance to win that job. And in fairness to Osiris, he absolutely earned it. He looked good at training camp. Um, the Bills, I think, wanted him to start, A, because he's a second-round pick, but also B, because that makes Ryan Bates a super utility guy, a guy who could play a minimum of three interior positions and maybe as many as five positions if he could play both tackle positions as well, if need be. So Osiris Turns earned his starting job. I thought he had a very good training camp. I thought he looked good in the preseason, especially that Pittsburgh game where almost everybody sucked. I mean, that was an ugly-ass preseason game against Pittsburgh. But Osiris Torrance held his own, and I think if that competition wasn't already a wrap before that, I, I think it was after that. So anyway, Osiris Torrance gets the start. That doesn't surprise me. Uh, Christian Benford getting the start over Dane Jackson and Kyler Elam alongside Trey. That's um, good on him. You know what? Good on him. It's easy to sit here and bash Kyrie Elam, and I'm going to be fair and honest. I'm going to do that a little bit, at least a little bit. But just sitting here and belittling Kyrie Elam is taken away from Christian Benford. And I don't think that's fair. Christian Benford earned that. And he came from behind. He was that third corner in that competition. Throughout most of training camp and seemingly the preseason, early on anyway. But Christian Benford looked consistent from what I saw at camp, and I went to five practices, so and I paid a lot of attention to that position because I knew there was a competition going on. And I was impressed by Benford, and I was impressed by him some last year. You know, it's kind of funny, too. You think back to this entire offseason. What did we do for most of this offseason? Talk about how uh, Christian Benford, is he going to become a safety? The Bills might convert him to safety. That was a lot of talk about that. Now, that was before, of course, the Bills signed Taylor Rapp, and before we, you know, it, it came to uh, fruition that DeMar Hamlin was going to make it back onto the football field. But anyway, Christian Benford, good on him, man. He earned that. I, I'm happy for him. And in terms of Dane Jackson, and there, I guess the reason why I'm surprised is because I just thought that the Bills trusted Sean McDermott specifically. I thought maybe he might trust Dane Jackson a little bit more. You know, I've compared Dane Jackson a lot to, to Levi Wallace. Not a really high ceiling, but a nice high floor player. Like he's not going to kill you. He's not. He's he's not going to light it up. But I also think you can live with Dane Jackson as your as your second corner. 
And you might see him at some point playing that position too. So, you know, week one doesn't mean week two or week five or week 10. It's just the start of the season. That, that's worth pointing out. But anyway, a little bit surprised about that. Look, as for Kyrie Lam, I really, I, I don't have much to add that you don't already know. It's disappointing for sure. I, I keyed on him, maybe. Stephon Diggs and in, uh, Trent Sherfield and Kyrie Lam. Those are probably the three guys that I wanted to watch most at practice for different types of reasons. Every time I went to practice, I wanted to key on them. And it just never changed. Kyrie Lam would look good for one day and terrible the next. And I kind of feel like that's how he is drive to drive in the preseason and last year in the regular season too. Just inconsistent. Really good at times, really bad at others. Lost at others. And that doesn't even count, you know, the, the handsy, the, the defensive holding penalties. It just, end of the day, the Bills can't trust him right now. I think that's what it comes down to. And it's sad to use a first round pick on a guy who very likely come Monday night, by the way, if you didn't already know this, there's a really good chance that Kyrie Lam is watching that game on the sidelines in, in, in a warm-up suit, street clothes, because I don't even think he's going to dress for that game. The Bills got to have five inactives on their 53-man roster, and that fourth outside corner, that boundary corner, might be him. Especially with Micah Hyde, Hurden, and Cam Lewis, they might want to have that extra safety um, available for Monday night. More on Micah in a quick second, by the way. But yeah, it's, it's very disappointing for Kyrie Lam. I, I will say, though, I keep getting reminded, Anthony Marino said it a few weeks ago, and it really resonated with me. I'm not saying Anthony said it first, but when he said it on the show, it definitely resonated with me. And that was the whole 2006, the Bills used a first-round pick on John McCargo, a late first-rounder on John McCargo, and then they came back with Kyle Williams, a nobody at the time, in the fifth round. And what ended up happening? John McCargo flat-out busted. He was a bust. but. Kyle Williams became a really, really good. No, you know, not good. He became a great Buffalo Bill. So you really don't give a shit all that much about John McCargo because of what Kyle Williams did. Maybe, just maybe a handful of years from now, five years from now, seven years, 10 years, whatever it may be, we may look back at the 2022 draft and say, yeah, you know, Kyrie Williams talked, he busted, and, you know, that, that's not cool. But, Six-round pick, Christian Benford. Man, what a great player he turned out to be. Right? So look at it that way. That's at least that's the way the optimism inside of me right now is, is trying to look at this. I say that now, one bad week, I might go absolutely freaking bonkers on this podcast, letting you know now. But that's how I feel right now. Good on Christian Benford. And just spending so much time like I am right now talking about Kyrie Lum kind of takes away from Benford earning the job. And then the last one, Terrell Bernard. Okay. <laughs> I thought this was a competition where somebody was going to win the middle linebacker job. And straight up, Terrell Bernard, you can paint it any way you want. Wear those rose-colored glasses if you want. But here's the truth. Here's the bottom line. Terrell Bernard, and all due respect to him, and maybe he turns out to be a good player, but Terrell Bernard didn't really do shit to win that starting middle linebacker job. Let's just say what it is, all right? Terrell Bernard didn't win the Bills' starting middle linebacker job. Tyrell Dodson lost it. Balen Spector lost it. A.J. Klein lost it. A.J. Klein went from being 
the fourth middle linebacker who seemed like a lock for practice squad insurance to being a co-starter alongside Tyrell Dodson because Terrell Bernard was hurt and Bale Spector was hurt and A.J. Klein played so badly that he ended up getting cut and he's not even on the practice squad as of now. So Terrell Bernard won because he didn't play. He didn't even play in the preseason and he's the starting middle linebacker and Dodson started at, with the ones it was kind of back and forth for most of camp, but Dodson got more, a little bit more time, at least with the ones than Jarrell Bernard did. And this was before Bernard had the hamstring issue. So, man, that is a, that's a case where, you know, a lot of players lose their jobs because of injury. Jarrell Bernard won a job, in my opinion, anyway, because of injury. And that's just, it's crazy to me. And this is unpopular and I'm not going to, well, this is kind of a prediction episode, so maybe I am. I, I guess I'm not high on Terrell Bernard. I wasn't high on him in camp. I wasn't high on him when the Bills drafted him. I wasn't high on him from what little I saw of him last year. I just don't think he has what it takes to be a starting middle linebacker for the Buffalo Bills in the NFL. Sorry, I just don't. I know there's some smarter football minds out there who can show me film and break down a lot of mechanics and a lot of stuff that'll show you that Terrell Bernard will be minimum an adequate starting middle linebacker. I just don't buy it. Also, I also don't think it's going to matter. Because I think it's borrow time right now for Terrell Bernard as a starter at middle linebacker because A, either Christian Kirksey, who the Bills signed to the practice squad from Houston, I think they're going to give him maybe another week or two to really ramp up, know this defense, get acclimated with everything. And I think he comes from the practice squad to the active roster. And I think he just leaps right into the starting lineup. So I think he's going to take that job. So in the short term, I think it's Kirksey. In long term, I don't care that they said this year he wasn't going to be playing middle linebacker. I like Dorian Williams straight up. And if I had to bet right now, talking about predictions this episode, if I wanted to go a whole year ahead of time, assuming the Bills don't spend any significant money in free agency or a high pick next year in the draft come next April, on a middle linebacker, I'd say Dorian Williams, not Terrell Bernard, ends up being your starting Mike in 2024. So I, I'd like to be wrong. Again, the Bills fan of me wants to see Terrell Bernard go out against the Jets or whoever he's playing and look good. I'm just not confident that it's going to happen. But regardless, Sean McDermott did name him um, starter. Also news about Micah Hyde. Started out pretty gloomy. Because during McDermott's press conference, he said uh, Micah Hyde has a back issue. Um, didn't know the extent of it. Said he was going to take it one day at a time. A reporter asked him if this is something that might be long-term. McDermott said, we'll take it one day at a time. That could be taken in a lot of different ways. In fact, I tweeted at the time, literally, I won't overreact to this. 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 But I was ready to overreact to it. However. Thanks to the power of Twitter and social media and, and Bill's media, we saw a bunch of videos of Micah Hyde, at least as a limited participant in Wednesday's practice. And he looked pretty damn good to me. He looked pretty good to a lot of people. There was a lot of media people saying he looked great. So if there is a back issue and if this does keep him out maybe for a little bit of a time, it doesn't sound like it'll be something long-term. Obviously, that is, that is great news uh, for the Buffalo Bills. So that was, again, a pretty significant little uh, 
Wednesday, a bunch of news dropping. Uh, they also, the Bills put out their depth chart. And again, you know, how much can you really go by with a depth chart? But I did look at it. And a couple of things of note uh, stood out to me. One is Elam, which again, we, this isn't a surprise, but he's the backup corner on the depth chart to Trey White, while Dane Jackson is with Christian Benford. I think it doesn't matter. Either starter goes out. I think Dane Jackson's that guy, like I said. I think Elam, for now, is definitely uh, on the outside looking in. Uh, Puna Ford. I like Puna Ford. But the Bills have five, and this is something we talked about a lot during the summer. The Bills, when Jordan Phillips is healthy and playing, and now he is, the Bills have five defensive tackles, and one of them might be on the outside looking in. I'm not sure that the Bills are going to dress five defensive tackles for a lot of games this year. Puna Ford on the depth chart is behind Tim Settle. That was the case early in preseason. I thought maybe it's because he's new and it's early in the preseason, but that this is going into week one of the regular season. So you might see Puna Ford inactive in week one. He might have to wait for an opportunity to, to be a contributor on this team. So I noticed that. Uh, Damian Harris is backing up James Cook. He's two on the running back depth chart ahead of Latavius Murray. Not really a surprise, but Damian Harris missed a lot of time with his knee. He did not play the first two preseason games. Um, fortunately for him, for the Bills, he did play in the finale at Chicago, scored a touchdown, looked good. So he'll start the season as the number two, Murray the number three. Not sure if Murray will dress uh, for week one, but probably will. And I still like Murray, by the way. There will be an opportunity at some point for Latavius Murray to contribute. And I was a big fan from, of what I saw from him um, through camp and the preseason. But anyway, those were depth chart notes. If you happen to give a shit, uh, the Bills will be wearing all blue on Monday night. Blue jerseys, blue pants. It's, I'm not a fan. I'm just going to be honest with you. I, I prefer the blue jersey, the white pants. Well, that's just me, and I guess I'm a, <laughs> I'm a hater. But anyway, I'm going to take a real quick break, come back, and I'm going to fly through some Buffalo Bills and NFL 2023 season predictions right after this quick break. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. All right, it is time. Buffalo Bills 2023 predictions. If I'm right, I'm going to throw the shit in your face for a long time to come. If I'm wrong, you're probably going to forget about this. Uh, we'll start with the Bills, then we'll get, go to the NFL. These are individual accolades that I'm predicting right now for end of the season. Uh, normally, MVP is like the culmination. Like you build up with all these other awards, and then you get the MVP. But let's just skip that shit right now and get to MVP. Because I'm going to tell you right now, it's Josh Allen. And if... And I thought about this. I can't think of a single scenario where if Josh Allen is not the MVP of the Buffalo Bills, that this team's any good. Like, Josh Allen better be your MVP. Period, point blank, end of the story. If Josh Allen's not your MVP, whether he got hurt, whether he plays bad for whatever hell reason, you might be looking at a team that goes like 7-10. and 10 this season if Josh Allen's not your MVP. I don't think that's going to happen. And Josh Allen is my MVP. And I like these other categories where I got one or two guys who I feel like can push for an award. I ain't even got nobody who's going to push uh, Josh Allen for MVP. It has to be him because if it's not, this, scene, this whole year is just going to be a, a big bust. Maybe you can make a case and you can convince me that Stephon Diggs at least deserves some consideration. Nah. Nope. Josh Allen's MVP or is it going to be a really shitty year for the Buffalo Bills? Rookie of the year, I'm going Dalton Kincaid. Just, but I don't think it's as easy and simple um, as a lot of people would think. Because I think Osiris Torrance deserves to be in the mix as well. Let me say this about Dalton Kincaid. I like him a lot. And also, you haven't really seen anything from him yet. You, do you think the Bills right now are showing anything at camp in the preseason when they're going to be playing as much 12 personnel or some people are calling it 11 and a half personnel. For people watching or listening who don't know what that means, 12 personnel is basically when the Bills will use two tight ends on the field at the same time instead of three receivers. So it would be two tight ends, two receivers, and one running back. That's basically what 12 personnel is. They call it 11 and a half personnel in the Bills case because a lot of people say Dalton Kincaid is basically a third wide receiver anyway. But anyway, you didn't see much of that. You didn't see any motion. You didn't see him lining up all over the place during the preseason. The, the Bills have not shown their hand at all. I think there's going to be a lot in store for him immediately as a rookie. I'd be stunned if he doesn't catch 45 to 50 passes right away. I like this kid so much. He just looks smooth, and it looks effortless when he's out there. That's one of the things I noticed at camp. It, 
he was running hard, but it didn't look like he was running hard. If that makes any sense to you, you know, the hands are just, God, they're so soft. I like this kid a lot. I think that I think he's going to be a really good player. And I'm sounding a little bit homers right now. And I actually don't give a shit because I like Dalton Kincaid an awful lot, but I don't think this is a runaway because Osiris Torrance is your day one starting right guard who won the job straight out of training camp. And it's tough to, to compare a guy who's going to catch footballs and score touchdowns and people are going to be wearing his jersey in the stand. He's a good-looking dude. And girls and some guys, I guess, too, are going to go nuts at the sight of him. Whereas you just got a guy who's out there just blocking people. So it's like an unfair fight. But, and you know, a lot of people know this with the offensive line, man. If you're talking about a guy a lot, that usually means he didn't play that well. But, you know, if the Bills win... 28-14, and you're not talking about Osiris Torres, that chances are that means he did his job and he played well. I like him. I think he's going to be a good player right away, and I think he deserves to at least be considered and very much in the mix. And by the way, for a team that, you know, it, at least it seems that the Bills draft a lot of guys early who don't necessarily play a lot, especially as rookies, you got a guy, a second-round pick who's your day-one starter. And Dalton Kincaid might not play snap one of week one against the Jets. But for all intents and purposes, he's a starter, too. He's going to be out there a ton. So good on the Bills to use their first two picks on guys who are going to help them week one against the Jets. But anyway, I got Kincaid as my rookie of the year. Breakout player of the year. I can't go with anyone else other than Greg Rousseau. I love Greg Rousseau. I think he improved in year two from year one. And I thought he was pretty good in year one. Uh, played with a high ankle sprain too last year. Plus he lost Vaughn Miller. He still, I think he finished with what, eight sacks. Comes into year three right now. Vaughn's going to be back probably by no later than week six. I would say maybe week five. He's eligible to play week five, but maybe he doesn't go to London and maybe they save him for week six when they're at home uh, against the New York Giants. But regardless, whatever. Vaughn's coming back some point relatively early and they signed Leonard Floyd. So there's lots of help on the other side He's not going to see a ton of double teams. I think there's going to be opportunities there for him. And I could easily see him getting two uh, double-digit sacks. I, I think the most sacks, we were looking this up last week on our, uh, when you guys, the fans, had in bold predictions. I think it was 12 and a half sacks Lorenzo Alexander had in 2016. That's been the most sacks by any bill since 2016. Lorenzo Alexander. I could see potentially Greg Rizzo challenging that. I like him a lot. Plus, by the way, he's a good run defender. It's not like he gets after the quarterback and does nothing else. Big breakout year coming for him. Push by, it'd be easy to say Christian Benford, and I hope it is Christian Benford, but I'm also going to throw another name out there. Uh, Trent Sherfield. I like him a lot. Big fan of him coming to the Bills. I know a lot of former uh, Miami Dolphins were not happy to see him join the Bills. Looked really good at camp. I love this kid, man. He can play the slot. He can play the outside. He can start at the slot. He can give you good quality snaps if Diggs or, or Gabe Davis have to come out, or he can play on the outside. You can put Diggs in the slot. Good hands. Catches the ball in traffic. Uh, he can make people miss. He can take it to the house. We saw a 75-yard touchdown for him when he played with the Dolphins last year against the 49ers. Hell of a blocker. Good on special teams. Won't get the hype that some of these other players on the team do, but I'm a big Trent Sherfield guy, so I can, and I can see him having a, a, a big breakout year. Uh, Dud, um, man, I hate doing it. I, I do. It, it, Kyrie Elam's, it's got to be Kyrie Elam at this point. 
And again, I want to go on this long rant about Kyrie Lam again and say all the things that we've already said or that you already know. But when you're a first round pick going into your second year and you're buried on the depth chart and you're probably going to be in a track suit for week one because you couldn't beat out a six rounder, two six round, a six rounder and a seventh rounder. You couldn't beat out either of them. Things ain't looking good for you, man. They're just not. I don't see a path to him getting on this field and playing. You know, Dane Jackson, I can see a path. If Christian Benford struggles early on, and I'm not even counting injury. I'm talking about just straight from playing time because of performance. Christian Benford struggles. Dane Jackson, Sean McDermott is going to yank his ass, and Dane Jackson is going to be the one to go out there. Probably not Kyrie Lum. So this guy's got a lot. I don't want to say there's no path for him getting on the field. Maybe he can go put together some really good practices and kind of win some confidence in the coaches. But it sure, it sure seems like he's got a long way to go. So. To me, he's a prime candidate. When we look at him at the end of the year and a first-round guy at the end of year two has done nothing, uh, it's pretty easy to, to, to predict that he's going to be the bust. Uh, the other guy, and I mentioned him, I talked about him too, Terrell Bernard, I just don't think, I think he's keeping the seat warm for Kirksey. That's basically what it comes down to. I do. So anyway, that that would be uh, my, my, my backup guy. Um, last one, comeback player, but here's a twist. When I say comeback player of the year, it's the comeback player of the year not named DeMar Hamlin. Because let's just be real, considering what happened to DeMar Hamlin, that he essentially died on the field last year, and that week one, he's going to be in a uniform playing football again for the Buffalo Bills. That competition's over. Comeback player of the year for the Bills. Comeback player in the NFL is over the first snap that DeMar Hamlin sees against the New Jersey Jets on Monday Night Football. Let's just throw that out there right now. So I'm going to call this comeback player of the year who's not named Demar Hamlin. And for that, I'm going to go with Trey White. And I'm going with Trey White because he played last year. He played plenty of games last year in the second half of the year, the back half of the year. But he was not Trey White that we know. He was not all pro Trey White. He was not pre-ACL injury Trey White. He was out there physically. He was doing his best but he just didn't have it. And for the record, and so we're clear, that ain't me dissing Trey White. For him to even come back and play, that says a lot about him. It was a tough road for him physically. It was a tough road for him emotionally. And that's a tough position to come back and play with that series of an injury. So I'm not holding any of that against Trey White. I'm just simply saying the, the man has worked his ass off all off season, and he looked. I haven't sworn on this podcast yet today, but I want to break that right now. He looked Trey White looked fucking fantastic at training camp. Man, he was all over the place, sticking to great wide receivers, including Stephon Diggs. Every time I watched him at camp, he looks like the Trey White that I remember from three, four years ago. And if he plays anything like that during the regular season. That secondary and that defense is going to be so much better just because you're getting the Trey White who signed a big extension to Trey White, who's literally an all-pro quarterback. You're getting him back. And even if he's 95% of that, to me, that makes him the comeback player of the year. Pushed by, I'll say Micah Hyde, only because Micah Hyde only played, what, he got hurt in the second game last year and missed the whole season. You, we all know what a difference Micah Hyde, a healthy Micah Hyde makes to this defense. God willing, he'll be out there. Week one and for the entire season, playing the way at the level that he always has. So he definitely deserves to be 
uh, in consideration for that as well. But yeah, I'm going to go Trey White there. Uh, real quick, I'm going to fly through these NFL individual awards. Offensive player of the year, I'm going to go Jamar Chase. I know a lot of people will say Justin Jefferson. I'm going Jamar Chase. And so we're clear. To me, offensive player of the year means non-quarterback because a quarterback is almost always going to win MVP. And I'm not going to make a quarterback, offensive player of the year, and MVP. So I'm going Jamar Chase there. Defensive player of the year. Big upset. I'm going to go Aiden Hutchinson in year two from the Detroit Lions. I can see him having 14 to 16 sacks and making a huge difference for that defense. I think he is an elite player, and I know there's so many great pass rushers. There's Aaron Donald. There's the, the Bosa boys. There, there's so many out there. I just I feel like Aiden Hutchinson is going to have a monumental second year. So I'm going to go him. Offensive rookie of the year. This one's much tougher. I'm going to go Bryce Young, and I know that doesn't seem like a you know a big surprise. I mean, considering he's literally the first pick of the draft. But there's C.J. Stroud, there's Richardson, there's quarterbacks that are starting. And then B. John Robinson, who is like the, the popular pick for, you know, a top 10 fantasy pick in almost every league that I've been in. And uh, I know a lot of people are going with him, but I'm going to go Bryce Young. And here's why. I like Frank Reich a lot. I think he's a great fit and a great head coach for him. Perfect head coach for him, I think, coming into uh, the NFL. I like some of the weapons that Carolina has. I like Jonathan Mingo a lot. I think him and Bryce Young are going to have some chemistry real early. Uh, he's a little banged up right now, but I like Adam Thielen. I think that's an excellent addition for a young quarterback. DJ Chark's a good player. Miles Sanders is a good running back out of the backfield. Uh, Hayden Hurst is a really good tight end. So there's lots of weapons to help out um, Bryce Young in his development. And plus, he's playing in a division that I don't think is really good. So there's six games right there against, well, at least four, because I think the Saints defense is going to be good. But He's got some games against some inferior defenses on the schedule. I think he's going to have a good chance to, to shine. I don't think he's going to be perfect. I don't think any rookie quarterback is ever going to be perfect, but I see a good start for him. So I'm going to go Bryce Young, Offensive Rookie of the Year, Defensive Rookie of the Year. Tough one, but I'm going to go Jalen Carter from uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. He's an animal, man. He is a beast, of course, defensive tackle out of Georgia. Just look at that Eagles front seven, man. Woof. Fletcher Coxon. Brandon Graham, uh, Nicobe Dean, Hassan Reddick, uh, Jordan Davis, Josh Sweat. I'm looking at it now. God damn, what a front seven the Eagles have. You ain't going to double team this guy. You know, he's just going to mole centers and guards. And by the way, defensive player of the year, I want to circle back to this. I will almost always go with Chris Jones, but the whole lot with everything. So that's why I'm going uh, Aiden Hutchinson. I'm only saying that because I was just thinking about one-on-one -on -one blocks. And every time I think about that, I... I think of what Chris Jones did to John Feliciano and Mitch Morris for Kansas City against Buffalo in that 2020 uh, AFC Championship game. Oh, God, that was uh, that's hard to think about as a Bills fan. But anyway, I'm, I'm going to go Jalen Carter there, pushed by Will Anderson Jr. from the Texans. They gave up a lot to get him, moved up to three in the draft to get him. I think he's the real deal. Houston's got some good pieces. DeMarco Ryans is a really good head coach. But I'm, I'm going to give the edge right now to, uh, to Jalen Carter, coach of the year. I'm going to come back to the Detroit Lions. I'm going to go Dan Campbell. Shout out my man, Joe Yernan. I know you're a big Lions fan. Look, if the Detroit Lions make the playoffs ever, it's almost to me should be a lock that the guy, whoever the coach is, wins coach of the year, right? <laughs> Detroit Lions never make the playoffs. So I think they're going to this year. That's what I guess that's what I'm getting at. So I got Dan Campbell as my coach of the year. Pushed by. Maybe Dennis Allen from the Saints because the Saints could win a very weak NFC South. Plus, I think the Saints are actually a better team. Even though they're in a weaker division, I think the Saints could have a much better year than uh, 
some people anticipate. Of course, there's lots of coaches on the AFC side. Whoever ends up with the best record in the conference, you got to throw that name in there. But anyway, I'm going to go with Dan Campbell. Last one, league MVP. And God, I hate this. 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 I hate it because I don't want to come on this podcast and sound like I'm a homer. But honestly, and this is the truth, it came down to two guys for me. And one, believe it or not, Patrick Mahomes and Joey Burrow are not two of them. It's, it's Josh Allen and it's actually Justin Herbert. And to me, if I see it as a tie, I'm always going to give the tie to the dude from the Buffalo Bills. I'm going with Josh Allen. I just think after playing at mostly an MVP level for the last three years now, this is the year where if Josh, assuming he can stay healthy, I just, I think this is the year. You got Ken Dorsey going in the year two. Stephon Diggs is highly motivated. Gabe Davis is healthy. Dalton Kincaid is going to be a much bigger weapon than people think. I think the Bills, at least to some extent on the offensive line, are better. I think James Cook to be more effective at running the football. I just, this offense should be really, really good. And Josh, again, just an MVP caliber player. And I'll have a couple stinkers and I'll have, you know, a couple, what the hell are you doing throwing that football moments? Because that's what you get with him. But he's also going to do things that make your eyes pop out of your head. He always has, and he will continue to do that. I just think he's going to do more things consistently. Like Aaron Rodgers, when he won two MVPs with Green Bay over the last handful of years. Those type of things, I think Josh is going to do more regularly, and that will what is what will push him uh, over the top. But yeah, I really like Justin Herbert, by the way. He's a great player. He's throwing for, what, 4,700 and over 5,000 yards his last two years. And the Chargers just got weapons galore. With the Chargers, it comes down to whether coaching gag when it matters and can they stay healthy because they always get decimated by injuries every year. But, man, I'm a big Justin Herbert guy as well. But I'm going to go Josh Allen there. Um, before getting the conference predictions, teams that I think could be pleasant surprises this year, I think Green Bay is going to be better than people think. I think Pittsburgh is going to be right on the cusp of the playoffs, which they always are. But And that's not going to change this year. Uh, and I think the Houston Texans are going to be better than some people think. I think they're going to be really competitive. They were really competitive last year. This year, I think they're going to turn some of those close losses into wins, and they might even contend uh, for the AFC South. On the other side, I think the Vikings stink. I thought they were very overrated last year. They were not a 13-4 and caliber team, and I think that's going to come crashing down big time this year. Uh, I don't think Denver's that good. I know Sean Payton's the talk of the town. And he's supposed to be the one to come in and change Denver's fortunes, but I don't see it happening. They still got some holes, and I just think Russell Wilson is cooked. And I'll tell you, I don't like the Miami Dolphins, and I know Bills fans might like that. Other fans, especially Miami fans, are just going to call me a fucking hater. I get it. I just don't think Miami is all that good. I think Miami's very top-heavy team. Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, that's as good as it gets. That's your best wide receiver tandem in the NFL. Um, Javon Holland's a great safety. Jalen Phillips is a great pass rusher. They got a couple other good players too. But you know what? This team to me is like, again, a top every team. And then there's names that I don't think are quite as good. Xavier Howard's not as good as he used to be. Jalen Ramsey, they traded for him. He's already hurt. Eli Apple sucks and I hate him. Uh, Bradley Chubb's a good player, but I don't think he's a great player. He got all that money. I think that was a bad deal. Uh, I don't think their offensive line's very good. And then Tua... And look, I hope he stays healthy. I don't want to see him get hurt. I might hate the Dolphins. I certainly don't hate Tua as a human being. He's a good guy. I hope he stays healthy. I hope he plays all 17 games. And I say 17 because he's not going to play 18 because they're not going to make the playoffs. (laughs) 
But anyway, the injury aside, and it is a risk because he's had multiple head injuries. That That is a risk. And if he gets hurt, that team is done. Well, there's a lot of teams where you say if that quarterback gets hurt, you know, that team is done. But even if he doesn't get hurt, I think teams are going to start to figure them out a little bit. So I'm just, I'm not as high on Miami as some people think. And yeah, I do hate them, but I don't think I'm being a hater. I feel like I'm being honest uh, when I say that. And NFC in the East, I got Philly winning it, the division over the Giants, who I do have finishing ahead of Dallas. Maybe I should have put Dallas in my disappointment list. And uh, the Washington Commanders last in the North. I got the Detroit Lions winning the division. Green Bay Packers second. Minnesota third. Chicago fourth. In the South, I got the Saints winning a very weak division over Atlanta, Carolina, and then Tampa. And in the West, I got San Francisco winning that division over Seattle, the Rams, and the tanking Arizona Cardinals, who very well may have Caleb Williams as their starting cornerback in uh, 2024. Wild cards, Giants, Dallas, Seattle. AFC, there's nothing that anyone could say to me around the league, any of these national media talking heads who are just sitting there bashing the bills, and we're giving them all the attention and all the clicks and all the views and all the article reads and, and listens and downloads. Shame on me. Shame on you. We know what they're saying. I don't care. At the end of the day, the Buffalo Bills from top to bottom are the best team in the division. They're healthy. And hopefully there won't be blizzards and players almost dying on the field and all kinds of horrific injuries this year for the Buffalo Bills. If that happens, the Bills are winning that division. Got the Jets in second, Miami third, New England last. Uh, the AFC North, which, by the way, I think might be the best division in football. I think it might even be better than the AFC East. I got Cincinnati winning a dogfight over Baltimore, Pittsburgh, and Cleveland. But even Cleveland in the fourth place there, man. If uh, Say what you will about Deshaun Watson as a human being, but if he's the type of quarterback that he was three, four years ago, Cleveland could do a lot of damage in this league this year. AFC South. Jacksonville, but I'm still not sold on Jacksonville like other people. If I'm sold on them, it's that they're in a weak division. I don't think they're all that. But I got Jacksonville, uh, Tennessee, Houston. Again, Houston could be right in that mix. And then the Indianapolis Colts last. And the AFC West, Kansas City, uh, the Chargers, Denver, and the Raiders. My three wild cards are the Jets, the Ravens, in the Chargers, and like I said, I do not have the Miami Dolphins in the playoffs. And by the way, if you that strongly disagree, and I say Jets, Ravens, Chargers as, as the wild card, who's not in the wild card? If you're a Miami Dolphins fan, you're watching this or you're listening to this. Who are who are they taking? Oh, whose spot are they taking among those wild card teams? The Jets, the Ravens, the Chargers. You tell me. Or are you going to go as far as to say that the Bills are not going to make the playoffs? So I got Miami out. Anyway, NFC Championship, we're getting done here. NFC Championship, I'm going to go with Philly over the San Francisco 49ers. AFC Championship, I got the Bills finishing as the one seed, and I think that matters so much because I think Kansas City and Cincinnati are the second and third best team record-wise in the conference, which means they play each other. I got Cincinnati winning. This time, they won two years ago. Kansas City beat them last year. I'm going to go Cincinnati this year. So I actually got Buffalo and Cincinnati in the AFC Championship. And I swear to you, as much as I'm a Buffalo Bills fan, 
I almost feel like I got to flip a coin for this because the Cincinnati Bengals are a team to me that I look at that doesn't have any flaws. They just don't. And I have to go with the Buffalo Bills. I have to go with the Buffalo Bills. I cannot think against this team. If you have a Buffalo podcast and you're called Talking Buffalo and you have a team that you spend as much time talking about how good they are and then you pick against them in the AFC Championship, you should probably take the microphone and throw it in the river and not have a podcast anymore. I simply, again, if a tie goes to the runner, in this case, a tie is going to go to my hometown team because I like both these teams a lot. I'm going to take the Buffalo Bills. And I'm also going to take the Bills to win the Super Bowl. One real quick note. And I'm going to tell you why I got some confidence in this. Because for years and years and years and years, obviously the Bills haven't been in the Super Bowl forever. This is going to be the year it happens. And I'm going to tell you why. Because I will not be in Buffalo when it happens. And that is not an accident. I booked with my wife a cruise for the second week of February, which includes Super Bowl Sunday. So when the when whoever's playing in the Super Bowl plays, I will be on a cruise on a boat somewhere in freaking Mexico. And that's not an accident. I didn't forget when the Super Bowl was. I did it on purpose. It was a conscious decision. I'm superstitious. And I said, I got to change things up right now. So let's not be in Buffalo. I'm like, you know, it would be me and my wife were talking. It's like, be my luck. Be on a cruise and the Bills are going to the Super Bowl and we're not even in Buffalo for it. If that's what it's going to take for the Bills to get to the Super Bowl and get over this hump that they can't get past Kansas City or Cincinnati over these last few years, then I'm all for it. I'll take a bullet for all of you. So I'm going to be on a cruise. And then I said, you know, from a content perspective, because this is a podcast and we're talking Buffalo and talking Bills here, you know, there will be a million and one Bills podcast talking about the Bills in the Super Bowl and after the Super Bowl and, you know, get all, all the same perspective. I was like, I could have a unique perspective, man. I could talk about watching my team play in a Super Bowl on a beach in Mexico or on a cruise ship somewhere in Cozumel. I'm like, there will be some unique stories. Watching the game, with, if they're playing the Eagles, with Eagle fans or Frisco fans. There'll be fans from whatever the Bills are playing. There will not everyone on that cruise ship who's not from Buffalo, except me and my wife, maybe a handful of other people. They're going to be fans of whoever the Bills are playing. So that will be fun. The, the, the content and the stories will be unique and interesting. So I said, you know what? I'm going to do that. Anyway, long story short here, that's why I'm so confident that the Bills are going to go to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl because I will actually be in another country and not in Buffalo. By the way, I will be back, though. Uh, the cruise ends Monday. We'll be back late Monday night. So if there's a Super Bowl parade going on in Buffalo that week, like that Tuesday or Wednesday, I'll definitely be back for that. But uh, anyway, I got the Bills beating the Philadelphia Eagles. Maybe the Philadelphia Eagles will be halfway towards being the Buffalo Bills of the 1990s. That would be two straight Super Bowl losses uh, for them. But anyway, regardless, we'll see how things play out. But man, oh, man, football's back. This is awesome. Months and months and months of off-season talk and all the hypotheticals and all that shit. It's all gone. Now it's time to actually have games to talk about. And uh, looking forward to doing it with y'all. And again, starting Monday, Monday through Friday, every day here, Talking Buffalo Podcast. Talk to you soon. Mm -hmm.